Hey guys, I am Caleb Giddings. And I'm Keith Finch. And you are watching or listening to Gun Day Brunch, probably on YouTube, because that's where the metrics say most of you are. And the metrics say the second largest number of you are on iTunes. So thanks for watching or listening. And if you're watching the visual version, you're about to see an ad banner. And if you're just listening, nothing happened. And we're going to get right into today's show. But first, before we get into today's show, uh, let's just take a moment to quietly celebrate the fact that David Chipman's nomination got pulled. And I know we haven't talked about it on the show, but uh, fuck that guy. So that guy. Yeah. But I, I and I did want to hit on this very briefly before we get into today's into today's much more fun episode. The nomination of David Chipman getting pulled is an example that ground level activism still works and we can still win and calling your senators and writing your senators. And maybe we have had this conversation and I'm just, I was just hallucinating that we didn't before, but calling your senators and writing your senators actually can have an effect, especially if enough of you do it and you don't, and you don't copy paste someone else's message. So that nomination got pulled, not because that nomination didn't get pulled because Republicans were opposed to him. That nomination got pulled because moderate Democrats were like, uh, I'm not hot on this guy. It worked. Guys, the, the long and short of it is it worked. And what we're seeing here is we've racked up quite a series of wins, which doesn't mean our job is done by any means. We still have to we still have to keep on this. We still have to keep up the pressure when it comes to the various issues. But we've seen ATF rules get proposed and pulled. We've seen over a quarter million comments go up on some of the recent ATF rules, uh, the vast majority of which, as far as I could tell, were in opposition. I, I know a campaign was launched in, I believe, the frame the frame rules case uh, by the demanding moms who demand mom things. It's the worst but name ever. It, it was... It was largely people opposed to the rule and for good reasons. And you guys wrote it all out. And this pressure, this constant pressure is going to keep us racking up wins. We, we're not going to win everything, uh, especially in places like California or New York that are uh, controlled legislatively entirely, entirely against this. But even there, even in New York, we are lining up for if all the cards land right a big win coming up with the Supreme Court starting in November. So fingers crossed for that one. It's a really good time to keep very smart, very articulate pressure on all these political leaders because they do they are accountable. They just have to be accountable to enough of us. They have to know enough of us care. Yup. Yeah, no, and I mean, and, and with that, now let's get into the topic of today's episode, which is Keith and Caleb debate about the three most overrated guns of all time. So there's guns, like everything, have fandoms, and sometimes these fandoms are, are stupid, and they, think that, <laughs> and, and they think that these guns are better than they are. And so we're going to talk about what guns may be overrated, and... I think that some of these guns, like uh, my list is guns that you may not think of when you think of overrated guns, but I'm going to make a case for them. And I have no idea what Keith has on his list. So how this is going to work is we're each going to toss out a gun and then we're going to decide which one is actually more overrated. And that's going to be how the list goes. So uh, 
I will, let's say, all right, Keith, what's your number three? And then I'll give you my number three and then we'll talk. All right. Number three was hard for me to pick out because I, I have this, there's historical context guns and then there's modern firearms that I also consider uh, overrated. But for the number three, it's a historical context gun and it's the M1 Garand. Oh, the Garand. So Good old John Garand. Okay, so my number three is actually the child of the M1 Garand, and it's the M14. Oh, yes, this is going to go. So we're so really well. close this on this one. This is going to go so well. Oh, right, I so love it. Why is the M, why do you think the M1 is overrated? Because I disagree. I actually, well, I don't disagree. If this was a top five list, the M1 probably would have been number five for me. Yep. Now, the reason the M1 Garand is overrated. The reason is overrated is because it's its reputation has been greatly inflated over time. There is no doubt, and the numbers show it in its acceptance trials and in, in how it performed, that in in the 1940s, when it was being used as the greatest battle rifle of all time, cats. Ah. <laughs> in the 1940s, uh, greatest battle rifle of all time. Yep. Cut and back in. <laughs> In the 1940s, when the M1 Garand was being used as the greatest battle rifle implement of all time, it was, it objectively was compared to its other 30 cal-ish bolt action counterparts that were used as general infantry rifles. It had a comparative effective range and a substantially great rate of fire, substantially greater rate of fire. So a U.S. infantry squad armed with M1 Garands could shoot the living shit around any other infantry squad that was running bolt guns, plain and simple. Okay, so those are like literally now, all my arguments for why it's not overrated and why it probably yeah. doesn't belong at number three. Here's on the this reason list. it's overrated. Okay. Do you, under, do you know what the actual M1 Garand stoppage rate was when it was accepted? I don't know, one in 500? One in eight. What? Like it would stop at least once per it clip? It would stop one per eight shots. That, that's, that's once a clip. It's an A-shot clip. You know, and one of the things that is dumb about the M1 Garand that I will pile on here for just a second is uh, the fact that the end block clips are stupid. I'm yeah. sorry. I said it. They make a cool noise and they look neat, but it's a dumb design because you can't John top Garand, the rifle off. John Garand wanted to use magazines. John Garand also wanted to use it and make it in 276. Yeah. Should have probably stuck with those ideas because it'd be better. Yeah, those, those were really good ideas. We could have been a lot farther ahead. And if it had loaded, if it had been more, and I hate to say this, if it had been more SKS style where you load into a fixed magazine with stripper clips, that would have been better. Yep. And what, what it came down to is during the, during the evaluation and testing of this thing, what it ultimately came down to is even though the stoppage rate of the Grand at the time was one in eight on average, it still maintained a rate of fire because it was really easy to clear. Like it mm -hmm. doesn't bang, oh, oops, charge it or load another strip or uh, load another end block and you're ready to go. You were still able to operate that rifle four or times, four or five times faster than a 1903. So it didn't matter. It had a one in eight stoppage rate. You were still like 60 rounds to five uh, against other rifles. So it still shot a just shot circles around the comparative rifles, therefore greatest battle rifle implement of all time for the 1940s. So your case for why it's So overrated. my case for why it's overrated is people don't properly appreciate that 
compared to today's standards, it's not that good anymore. It was now, great most the time. that I've encountered with the good ammo and everything like that don't stop at one in eight rates. They're, they're usually better than that. I, I haven't seen, I don't shoot a lot of 30 at six and I don't shoot a lot of them on Garands. But the last time I did, I think I had uh, four or five stoppages on old, weaker pressure ammo. And then I had no stoppages on a Garand load, but with, with a modern, with, with modern new in the box ammo. Yeah, that's uh, another thing with the Garand. Uh, you can't shoot just like I can't go to the gun store and buy thirty out six and stick it in there because no, it'll no, blow it's the gun too, up. It's too much. Yeah, too much. Too spicy. It's the greatest battle rifle of all time can't handle just you know ammo that a fourteen year old girl will shoot out of a six pound bolt action rifle. Interesting. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I am I'm, I'm leaning into this. I'm liking this opinion. So my argument for the M14 is not nearly as coherent. It's mostly because the M14 sucks. And it objectively- I, uh, I agree with you there. And it objectively sucks because the only reason the M14 existed was if you guys go back and listen to our episode on why 308 kind of sucks, the only reason the M14 existed as a rifle is basically for the same reasons that 308 exists is because army want 30 cow bullet and army no want and our, our army no want small, small uh, rifle, army want big manly rifle that do manly things. But the thing was uncontrollable on full auto. And I mean, uncontrollable on full auto. It, the magazine sucked. They were uh, unreliable. It wouldn't feed. Everyone's like, oh, it was better in the jungles. My ass it was. The, my ass. It had an open operating system. You want to tell me that worked better in Vietnam than the fully enclosed operating system of the M16? Get that and get out of my face. Get directly and out of my face. To give more ammunition to your argument here on why it may in fact beat out the uh, M1 Garand as an over platform they they touted that they could build these fucking m14s on m1 garand tooling and you can't at all the gas no. system is completely different they just look similar on the outside it's the same as like the psl and the um the dragon op rifles they look very similar okay, when you said psl really i thought you were doing like a pumpkin spice pumpkin latte spice thing latte. i was very confused yeah the psl 54 the romanian the Romanian long, elongated AK that shoots 762 by 54R was their attempt at doing the Russian SVD Dragunov, uh, which actually was a different uh, short stroke gas piston system. But they look exteriorly very similar and they shoot the same round. Uh, you look at the M1 Garand and the M14 and exteriorly they look very similar. Their ga gas system completely different. The Garand uses a full stroke piston gas system. The M14 is a short stroke one and it never worked super well. And the only reason the M14 is popular today is because of stupid people who think that somehow being a 30 caliber battle rifle makes it a better defensive implement than a modern well-made M16 clone or an M4 clone or an AR15 or something like that. We at, I wouldn't even hate 308 if we had just been smart and just adopted the FAL like the rest of NATO and we'd be like, oh, okay, cool. That that gun looks awesome. Let give me one of those. Cause you know what the FAL is? More controllable in full auto. You know what else mm -hmm. the FAL is? More reliable. It's mm -hmm. almost like the M14 was just this shoddy bullshit thrown together that because we wanted to have a 30 cal rifle, because we foisted 308 on the rest of NATO. We're like, no, 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 and we're they America. Accepted it. They accepted it because we promised them we would pick up the FAL. Yeah. We, we essentially, like, they're, they're like, look, 
we hate your round choice. We hate the 308. We want our 280. We hate it. We hate the 308. But we will take and we will retool the FALs, which were originally built in uh, 280. And then the British uh, did the EM2 in 280. Um, so the, Europe was all 280. But they're like, look, America, we will take your bullshit 30 cal and we will all keep 30 cal if you just adopt the FAL with the rest of us so that we can have a common rifle for for NATO. And, you know, this whole NATO thing that we're coming up with where it's all like interchangeable and we can use each other's stuff, we can do it. And America's like, yep, except no. <laughs> except also, fuck you. Yeah, so the <laughs> M14 sucks and I hate it. I hate everything about it. It's stupid. And when the Air Force bought the M16 and was like, this is a handy round for our law enforcement security patrols. This is this is a good little rifle. And then the army woke up and was like, oh shit, it is a good rifle. And then the army tried to ruin the M16, which there's a- we, really we could do a whole podcast about how the army ordinance board intentionally, this, this wasn't an accident, intentionally tried to sabotage the adoption of the M16 because they wanted to keep the, the, the M14 which the M14 sucked. It had a higher stoppage rate. It had a higher parts breakage rate. Everything about the M14 is objectively worse than the M16, except for the fact that the 30 cal round is marginally more effective at 600 meters. Yes. And, and this is, the, guys, this is not to say, this is not to say the M1 Garand's a bad rifle because it's not. It was, no. it was a great rifle, especially in its day. And this is not to say that the M14, when adopted, didn't work. They made it work, but it was a maintenance intensive nightmare. Like these, these things were expensive to upkeep. You look at the, you look at the parts lists and everything they had to buy to keep these guns running. They kept them running, but they were expensive as hell. And then you look at what you need to keep M16s running and it's like, no, no, I get it. All right. So what do you think? You think M1 Garand more overrated or M14s more overrated? I... I like your arguments for the M1. I'm leaning on the M14 as being more overrated because I'm the M1 on the M14 to is more overrated as well. We're going to give it to the M14 on this one because objectively, especially uh, for their timeframes and for their adoptions and the reasons why they're adopted, the M1 Garand was adopted for very, very good reasons. And you can objectively see that in its testing and its adoption and despite its one in eight at the time you know stoppage rate with the ammunition and everything for the for the day it shout it outshot all of its competition right they had to basically limp the m14 through its competition against the fal um during that, its cold weather during its cold weather trials they uh they gave it the special lubes where they they really didn't on the fn trial one and then like they did and when the AR-10 was being submitted, like they, nobody looked at it and said, ah, you, you submitted something with an aluminum barrel. Do you want to try again? Should we, you know, should we look at this? Because uh, Fairchild, Air, uh, Armalite, the division of Fairchild at the time was doing crazy things and they were all mad space scientists. And they're like, let's try aluminum for everything. And there were material scientists who were like, no, this is a bad idea. We need, we need the properties of steel to make this work. And they're like, no, no, it'll be fine. This is only a military acceptance trial. It's be great. And so, and so app, we, we probably should have had the foul. We probably never should have had 308. And because of those things, 
the M14 is more overrated. And I don't know how many, like, I don't know how many Vietnam Navy SEALs I've met, but it's more than actually existed in Vietnam. Right. And I don't know how many Vietnam veterans I met who tossed their M16 into the grass the minute they got to Vietnam and they went back to the armory and got an M14, but like, pretty First sure that's not how it works. Because it wasn't there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, criteria for this one, the M14 is more overrated because in its time, the M1 was actually a good rifle and the M14 in its time wasn't, but yet people still think of it like it was a good rifle. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nostalgia for the 30 cal and it's nostalgia for the M1 Varan that drives that because rifles should have wood stocks and be made of steel and not this crazy plastic stuff and aluminum that works freaking phenomenally. Right. All right. So uh, number two. So number three on our list of the most overrated guns of all time, the M14. I'll go with I'll, I'll throw out my number two candidate and I'm going to apologize in advance to fans of The Patriot, which is one of my favorite movies, by the way. But the Pennsylvania slash Kentucky rifle, depending on what nomenclature you want to use for it, is hella overrated in a historical context. All right, guys, super overrated. And here's why. We didn't actually use it for the war. We didn't. All right. The while rifles were used in very, 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 very small numbers by extremely specialized guerrilla units, by and large, you know what won us the fucking Revolutionary War? 69 caliber French muskets, the Charleville musket. We started off with brown best muskets that we took from British armories. And then we were like, these kind of suck. Let's get our own. And we bought a piss load of Charleville muskets from the French. And that was what we won the war with. We won the war with traditional infantry tactics of the time, not Mel Gibson sneaking around behind trees, chopping people's heads off and shooting them with Kentucky rifles or Pennsylvania rifles. Again, depending on the nomenclature that you want to use. Secondly, the motherfuckers are really hard to reload in a hurry. They were as an implement of war in the way warfare was actually fought at the time. The Pennsylvania rifle sucked. You couldn't reload it as fast as a musket. It would foul much quicker than a musket because it was rifled, making it more accurate. And when the fighting invariably turned to -to hand-to-hand combat, which it always did back then because combat doctrine was shoot two, maybe three times, then charge them with bayonets and have a stab fight, which sounds like a terrible way to fight a war. When you eventually close to hand-to-hand combat, the very few riflemen that you had in your unit had an extremely flimsy weapon. If you look at a Pennsylvania rifle and how it's constructed versus a Charleville musket or a brown best musket, the brown best musket and the Charleville muskets are big hunks of wood and steel. They're meaty. They're thick because you're designed to be able to thrust and parry with them. Compare that with like a, uh, with a, uh, rifle of the period it's much more fragile the stocks would break if you tried to hit somebody with them you could shatter the foregrips you could even bend the barrels in some cases trying to use them as an impact weapon which is why the british outfitted their designated riflemen who by the way the british combat rifle of that time was so much better than our rifles because it was shorter it was easier to load and it was actually designed for combat it wasn't a hunting it wasn't a fucking hunting rifle that was pressed into military service but the british riflemen of that time also carried fucking swords 
because when it turned into a stab fight, which it always did, they needed to be able to fight on an equal level with the guys who had a four foot long musket with an 18 inch long triangular bayonet. But we have this love affair with the Pennsylvania rifle because the way people grew up thinking about the Revolutionary War was that it wasn't won by traditional infantry tactics. It was won by Mel Gibson sneaking around in the bushes, sniping the British. And that's just not fucking factually accurate. And it pisses me off because it takes away from the understanding of the evolution of infantry tactics. So fuck, like I've owned a Kentucky rifle. It was a beautiful thing. I've shot some gorgeous guns. They're wonderful. They're beautiful historical artifacts, but then fucking win the war. Your choice. I'm still going to watch it every July 4th, though. I love Absolutely. That. Absolutely. I, I stand <laughs> Mel Gibson. Cut every time. I stand Mel Gibson murders the English 100% of the time. I, I, I like his prequel, too, that's set in Scotland. All right. I love mm-hmm. him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mel Gibson one of my favorite English. We're on board. One of my, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it actually. Some of the scenes actually do a fairly decent job of depicting combat from the era. You know, if you take out the final battle where Mel Gibson single-handedly wins the Battle of Cowpens, which is whatever. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, no, I love the movie, but it just, it drives me nuts how this rifle is lionized as like winning the Revolutionary War when in fact it was a limited participant at best and a lot of guys in these irregular guerrilla units would toss their rifles or put them in storage at the first opportunity to get a musket because muskets were better for fucking fighting got to concern yourself with the mechanics and the logistics those exactly all right what's your number two my number two is the vaunted loved by the wolverines ak-47 oh oh god did you just get cold in here? <laughs> are people are people outside with torches and fucking pitchforks right now, guys? Are we? Are oh, we? Going? Oh, uh, almost assuredly. I can feel a chill breeze uh, blowing through the mitten here, and uh, I, I receive a sharp knock upon my door. Uh, but it's it's the AK rifle. The all AK of Brandon rifle. Herrera's subscribers are coming to your house right now. They are. They are. And. <laughs> Oh, and especially after uh, uh, Mike and and Brandon have done a lot of good AK content recently, like the AK, the AK, we'll we'll put this out there, guys. The AK isn't a bad rifle by any means. I own a few. They're they're good rifles, but they're overrated rifles. They're one of those that have developed this legendary reputation for you can't break them. They will survive anything. And let me tell you, that's just not fucking true. These things break and they go down, go down hard. They have a they have a similar reputation in a lot of ways to the invincible revolver. You can't stop a revolver. Revolvers never break. They never die. And I'm insulting. I'm insulting uh, Caleb's love of all things right now. I've broken like four revolvers this year. Get out of my face. Revolvers break. Yep. And when an AK breaks, it usually breaks hard. And when you look at it and you look at the repairs that you have to do with an AK and you look at the logistics, um, it's usually easier in, in many cases to toss an AK than it is to repair an AK. Because That's if you get cheaper. damage into the front trunnion, uh, 
like if it's a bolt issue, which it might be a bolt issue, um, that's usually an easy fix. But if it isn't a bolt issue and it's something in the front trunnion, like you either have to press out and press in a front trunnion or you take the easy route and you eat the fucking rifle after six to 16,000 rounds, depending on how well it was built. And you just get yourself a new rifle because it's fairly cost effective to do that. Uh, my first experience with this was many years ago when I was in Africa training uh, with the Moroccan Royal Army. And we were asking them about our maintenance procedures because the United States military is very logistics and very maintenance heavy. And so when an M16 breaks, we go fix it. Right. Just like when a truck breaks, we go fix it. And we started asking the Moroccans and they got this, this like stupidest deer in the headlights face about it. Like, you mean and they, fix it? Yeah. And th that was literally their like colonel there who was with us goes, we don't fix, we just get a new one. And I was like, oh, okay. And their, and their use of the rifle at the time, their annual use of the rifle consisted of 10 rounds. Three to make sure it shot in the correct direction and seven for score. Yeah, so they were right. not using the rifles very heavy to begin with. So sure, these rifles, these military rifles might last 10, 20, 30 years. But in 30 years, it saw 300 rounds unless it deployed and went to combat. It saw 300 rounds if it was assigned to one soldier and taken out by one soldier the whole time it was there. If it was given to 10 soldiers to shoot during that time period, it still only saw 3,000 rounds, which is only half of what an expected service life on a very poorly built AK might be. But if you look at uh, maintenance numbers out of places like Machine Gun Las Vegas and other places that run guns really, really hard, you start to see that the AK is just another well-built rifle and it breaks down and it has problems and it has issues just like other modern infantry fighting rifles. It just landed at the party a little earlier than a lot of them. And it hasn't gone through a lot of the same upgrade phases until recently that like the AR-15 arc took in the 90s and into the early 2000s. Now it's catching up and it, it's in a peer group again. And it just comes down to the fact that it had this legendary reputation that you couldn't stop it. And you but absolutely you can't. Fucking can't. You I'm absolutely sorry, I'm yeah. I'm kind of buying into this here. So back when I owned a gun store, we had full auto rentals and I had a gold plated AK, which was very cool uh, and also broke all the fucking time. And mm -hmm. it, it, it would stop all the time. The most reliable of my machine gun rentals was the Mac 10, uh, mm -hmm. which was also impossible to control. Like more people <laughs> shot the seal. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yep. Um, but the, uh, I'm starting to buy on this AK thing. And I think a lot of the reason I, I, and I'm buying into it too, because I think a lot of the reasons why people love the AK and what also makes the AK overrated is actually related to why people like the M14 and it's AR-15 contrarianism. Yeah. Where they're there, like, and there's some mystique to it and the, and you get the, you get almost the same story about dudes who picked up an AK in Vietnam mm. versus, you know, dudes who tossed their, their M16 into the woods uh, to grab an M14 and the 10,000 Navy SEALs that I've met when right. they were like 111. Um, so you, you get a lot, you get a lot of people who are absolutely selling you a pile of crap 
up over either the AK or back to the M14 um, just because they heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy who heard it from a guy. And now I'm talking to this dude who's on the other side of the counter, the gun store, and he clearly wants to hear this story that I'm making up about, you know, Vietnam or, or whatever, or how the AK is definitely the best rifle for the end of the world. Um, and what and one of those is still a continuing love of 30 cal because uh, the Russians didn't get rid of 30 cal either. And they haven't since 18 freaking 92 or something like that. When 76254 uh, first hit, they're still using that. And then they're using the shortened version. But that makes sense in the Russian mindset where like the, the units that are still using 762 by 39, which is not all of them, they're they're five, four, fives, their main, you know, main rifle round with the 74s and the upgraded AKs, but those units that are still using by 39 and then their, their uh, former com block nations that are all still using uh, by 39. It's, it's just cause it's easy. Mm. It's really, really easy. It's and that was their whole thing. It was easy and it was good enough where the American arguments were really like, Hey, we know better, but we like it. I think I think I'm going to agree that the AK-47 is more overrated than the Kentucky rifle because uh, for two reasons. One, the Kentucky rifle as a product of its time was the most accurate battlefield implement, you know, that was out there Mm -hmm. and was also did enjoy iconic stat, you know, American iconic status. Uh, And two, uh, the other reason I'm going to agree with you is like seven years ago, I wrote an article called the five most overrated guns of all time and put the AK at number three. So obviously we have some parallel thinking on this one. <laughs> so for, so, so far our list guys is number three, the M14, number two, the AK-47 and I'm very curious to hear what your number one is because I know what mine is and it's going to upset a lot of people, but I'll let you go first on this one and let's see where, what we come out with with number one, one of the most overrated guns ever, where we got through guns number three and number two. Tune in next week for part two in the series where we discuss the most overrated gun. We had to cut this episode for time because it was getting a little long when we got into the most overrated gun. So make sure you guys come back next week. Thank you everyone for watching, sharing, and subscribing. See you next week, guys.